You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. God, I love the station. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. You're listening to WCET.FM, also streaming live on WCET 101.7 FM, Columbia Talk in Columbia, South Carolina. And we're on top of the mountain on New Jersey on High Point Radio. So we're going to have a very special guest in uh, Chippy. Are you there, buddy? I sure am, brother. You know, very interesting to note that you know, I was hypnotizing myself into believing that I was having dinner. And my God, it was like the most realistic thing that I think I've ever happened uh, while trying to hypnotize myself to believe that I was eating. I- I'm full and everything. Oh, yeah. I guess it worked for you, huh? It-, it did. And it's a good thing that we brought up, you know, hi- hypnosis and hypnotherapy because. I think we actually have a phenomenal guest today who's, like, really good at that stuff. Really? Yeah. Would you like to know who it is? Sure. Yeah, I think the listeners would like to know, too. Okay, well, it'll cost you five bucks. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. No, I I will volunteer this information right now. Actually, I'm kind of excited about this uh, because with us today is Bryn. Blankenship. We've been talking about her for a long for time. A long time, yeah. Now we can actually talk with her, which would be even better than talking about her. Hey, you better uh, watch. She might hypnotize you, dude. She might, you know. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't need another dinner, you know. She's going to go there with the hypnosis. <laughs> uh, but let me let me tell you a couple of things about the awesome uh, Brent Blankenship and and. Her new book, The Limitless Soul, which we'll be talking about today, too. Uh, Brent Blankenship is the author of The Limitless Soul, so it's a good thing we'd be talking about that book today. Uh, Hypno-regression case studies into past, present, and future lives. Uh, Brent Blankenship, C-M-H-T and C-I, it's pronounced Bren, uh, so I'm on a good, good, uh, <laughs> good footing there. Is the founder and executive director of the Brave Center, located in beautiful North Carolina. She's a certified master hypnotherapist, uh, international instructor, and author. Uh, discovering the power of hypnosis and meditation while an actress working in commercials and film at the professional level. See, I'm an actress too, so we've already got something in common here. Bryn used hypnosis as a way of removing boundaries, opening new doors in her career, and for self-healing. She found it to be a wonderful tool for calming the mind, relaxing the body, and uh, freeing the instrument, um, allowing the character to emerge. 
Now, Brent changed careers to become a hypnotherapist out of a strong desire to help others uh, through their own transitions and healing, bless her. She found it to be rewarding and went on to become a hypnosis instructor, helping students to hone their hypnosis skills. Uh, Brynn has taught internationally and her certification courses in the U.S. Uh, draws an international student base to them. Now, a couple of notes about the book because we'll be talking about that today. Uh, accessing the soul level of your mind to resolve current life issues. And we do talk about this here from time to time, Ken. Mm -hmm, we do. Uh, featuring numerous past life, afterlife, and future life case studies. See, that's even above and beyond what I can do, so <laughs> I'm not jealous. The Limitless Soul invites you to explore the many aspects of a soul's existence. These narratives show that life is not a random series of events. They can be used to gain insight into your soul's future while exploring earthly lessons from your current incarnation. Using her hypnoregression technique, Soul Expression Spiritual Regression, or SESR, I'll say that again, Soul Expression Spiritual Regression, SESR, author Bryn Blankenship explains how revisiting certain times in your soul's history can bring resolution to long-standing issues and shift energies that are affecting your current life incarnation. See, I got a bunch of questions for her about that. Of course, you know. Okay. Uh, this enlightening book carries universal messages and offers hands-on exercises, meditations, and practices for awakening your soul's guidance. And with it, you'll discover your personal gifts and a deeper understanding of your place in this word, uh, this world, rather. I will tell you, I've heard phenomenal things about this book. Uh, so it's a, it's a good thing that we have uh, this outstanding book, phenomenal author, uh, Bren Blankenship, to Supernatural Realm, Timmy. And, and now that I've told you all about her, I will allow you uh, to introduce her since you're the host. And it's kind of what you do. Yeah, well, first I want to welcome Brenda to the show. Brenda, you, you there with us? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited. I'm very, very excited great. to have you with us. Timmy, you go ahead, brother. Um, I guess I'm going to ask you a stupid question. <laughs> um, you were in acting, so why did you switch from acting to hypnotherapy? Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I while I was acting, I actually used hypnosis to help move through some things that were holding me back. Cool. And wow. then after a while, I decided that I wanted to do this for a living because it was something I could bring home with me and um, not have to be in L.A. or New York. Wow. See, that's even more method than method. <laughs> and it helped me move through a lot of things. I had a regression session one time that turned into a future progression. And in that session, I saw myself standing in prairie grass, standing in a field. And I was walking through an orchard picking these apples. And the apples were acting jobs. And I was having my pick. And I knew in the session that this was what that was about. And um, because I was trying to move through some blocks, I did a lot of commercials a little bit of film, a little bit of TV. And in that session, it was really powerful 
Then I ended up in L.A. not too long after that, and I was in an acting class, and someone saw me, told their agent. She hired me on the spot, and so I started auditioning. And all the work that I'd put in, all the years that I'd put in auditioning in other markets was really helping me when I got to L.A. And one day I was standing on the set, one location in the grapevine, north of L.A., and I was waiting for this, I was filming a commercial, and I was waiting for my turn, and we were filming under this tree down the hill. And someone said to me, hey, watch out, Um, there could be snakes in that grass. And I was wearing Birkenstock sandals. I looked down at my feet, looked up, and was in that prairie grass that I'd seen in the scene about a year before, yet I was standing in the actual scene. And so the only difference was that there were no apples on those trees, but there were the orchard, the prairie grass, everything that I had seen. So I knew what that meant. And in my hypnosis session, I had been told, you're going to go out to L.A. for one thing, and you're going to come back with another. So I was out there for a couple of years, and then I I decided it was time, and then I understood. Like one day, literally one day, I woke up and knew this is what I needed to do, and this is what I was going to bring back with me. Wow. Now, it wasn't an Apple commercial or a role you couldn't worm your way out of, right? You get to the core of the role, at least, with that. It was actually a Chevy OnStar uh, commercial, and I was playing the aunt. So we did a black and white shot, and we did some um, color shots, and I was in between, so I was in my street clothes hanging out. And I decided that, you know, I would come home and then I would go where I needed to to go study. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, feeling like I needed to stay out there, I would travel to where the teachers were that I wanted to study with. And so that's how I found Roger Wolker, Michael Newton, and Brian Weiss, um, who were instrumental in, in my background and in my work. Wow. It's very serendipitous. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm Timmy. I, instead of auditioning, I'm going to start dreaming from now on because you know that works so well for Bryn. Yeah. Of course, we're not we're, we're not making light of this. It's just really, really cool. Yeah, well, it, you know, that was my passion. You know, to be an actor, I, that was my passion, and I did everything that I could. I I studied. You know, I I, I just put everything into that. My whole focus was there. So that was a big deal for me to shift. Sure. And I spent years breaking patterns, you know, getting breaking through patterns that were holding me back. So that's when I decided if I could do that for me and go out and find this needle in a haystack, what could I do for other people that they were wanting to break through patterns that were holding them back? Wow. Well, that's a... That's a... I love this. This, I love what I do, so I know that I made the right choice. Yeah, and Even it's your life purpose too. Now. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life purpose, and I'm very happy. And being happy means a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, see, we could so hang out, you know. Yes. I wanted to be an actress too, except I'm a guy, and that didn't work <laughs> out for me. But Aside from that, 
I need a better face, you know, because mine scares little children away. And outside of maybe being the next Freddy Krueger, if they ever do a redo of a redo, you know, of a redo of the, you know, Freddy Krueger films, uh, you know, I'm kind of screwed. So you, you uh, think you could see yourself on horror film, Chip? Well, I would have to. First film. Well, I was on the poster for Night of the Living Dead. Wow. Like debutantes. It was like a scary debutante movie. Mm-hmm. Way, way back. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't you don't look anywhere near that old, you know. I mean, I, well, I, I, me, I am old. I would have been, I think, 10 when that film first came out. We're talking about the one from 1968, right? That oh, no, no, no. The, whole... the one yeah. from the 1990s. Oh, okay. Night, All right. Night of the Living Debs. Like oh, okay. oh, Debs. Okay, I get it. It was a play, a oh, take cool. on that movie. Oh, I cool. See, I, I could have been in that one probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you know, kind of have to sessions, I found that I had past lives mm-hmm. as an actor, as an artist, as a singer. So I did have that background. Mm-hmm. Wow. You never know. Maybe you were an actress. In a past life. I was an actress in a past. I was an actress in this life too, but that's yet you know, for another show. And <laughs> that was and before the surgery. That was yeah, well before <laughs> the surgery. And boy, it still hurts, you know. But that's again for another show. Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm Chip. I'm the co-host that just won't shut up. So I'm going to turn it back over to Tim Roxbury, a great host, because I'm sure he has another question for you. You know. Yeah. I, it it almost makes you wonder that, you know, one life kind of leads to the next and to the next and, you know, just carries on each time you evolve. Things well, connect. Well, it does. You know, connect the According dots. to my clients. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. information is coming through my clients and that's what they describe. How what you're doing now is building on what you'll do next mm-hmm. um, for your next life. But they're not linear. You know, we have linear time here on Earth. We have chronological time. Yeah. And we don't always go back to, I mean, our, our next life doesn't have to be... On the, the time scale. No, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm learning that, too. And I swear, Tim, I will shut up. But, you know, I, I have to... I, I'm an old soul, and I want to go home. I'm also a certified hypnotherapist, and I do past life regressions for other people. So again, oh, we okay. could we could hang, but I'm learning that yeah, I had uh, a lifetime in the 1600s where I was meant to learn a specific lesson, but didn't. So the next life was in the 1300s, uh, putting me in a position where I really had but no choice. <laughs> but to learn that lesson that I was supposed to have learned in the 1600s. Yes, because it's like it keeps, the the circumstances change, but the lesson is the same until you finally get it. Mm-hmm, yeah. The players change up, we take different roles in different lifetimes until we finally get the lesson. And, you know, I, I with, when I worked with Michael Newton, I helped start the Newton Institute with him, um, I'm a trainer with them, with the Newton Institute, and I've done a lot. I was a board member for many years, and Michael Newton's format was to teach us to take the client into their most recent past life mm-hmm. and, and then explore that. So 
I began to question because sometimes when I would take people into their most recent past life, they were a cave person. But I already <laughs> knew that they had this other lifetime because I'd already done a past life session with them prior. I already knew that they had a more recent lifetime. And mm-hmm. so those things started emerging and then things started making more sense as to why. And then over the course of time, my sessions started shifting into sector, um, you know, what, what the book is about. Nice. Well, you, you go, girl. I mean, I, I do. No, seriously, I, I have a great appreciation of what you're saying there. And, and it's good to hear. It's nice to hear that. Uh, well, you know, I, I wrote the book based on client sessions. I have thousands of session hours with clients in the spirit world, and they are describing all kinds of things. And, you know, also with their past life regression sessions, that's a part of the spirit world as well. And so things start to take on a certain um, shift. They start going into a certain direction, and then you start to notice patterns. When you've done this enough times, you'll start to notice patterns with certain things. Mm-hmm. And the clients that I used in the in the book gave beautiful, eloquent descriptions of things that many, many clients had described here and there. But I I had these sessions where they just kind of spelled it out. And you know the purpose of soul expression, spiritual regression, is to help the client get in touch with that deeper part of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the acronym for that, Soul Expression Spiritual Regression, is Sessor. Sessor. Oh, Sessor. Sessor. Okay. Like an assessment. Sessor <laughs> session. Nice. See, the guides gave this to me. I wish I could take credit, but I have really great guides that feed me information. <laughs> and when I was trying to work all of this out, that's what they told me to call it. And then it hit me why. And, and what we're doing is giving the client a review of their current life, assessment of their current life, um, permitting the magnification of their soul in their current mind and body, but they're doing it from the perspective of current life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know I'm, if you're going into a past life, the way I work with clients in past lives, it's not so that you stay stuck in the past life and blame everything on the past life. It's actually so that you pull information forward to help you now. Oh, sure. It's very therapeutic. Very therapeutic. It's to help you understand why this is happening now, because it's a pattern or a lesson or something carried forth from that past past life that has not been finished, Mm -hmm. or you're learning from another aspect of it. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to learn about love? By having love, by not having love, by losing your love. You know, see, we experience all types of lives around a theme, and we learn through that experience. Our soul learns. Mm. Brent, I was, I was reading, reading your book, and your one client, John, um, somehow you were in, in one of his past life experiences? Yes. That doesn't usually happen, but it can. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it doesn't. <laughs> so I had a client who came to me. I had a, um, 
I had a chapter in Michael Newton's book, mm-hmm. uh, Memories of the Afterlife. Right. And he had read that chapter, and he was a couple hours away, so he set up a session when he found out that I was a couple hours away in Wilmington, North Carolina. And he came in for the session. And then he, a couple, a couple of months later, he decided he wanted to take my hypnosis certification course. Yeah. So he came in, and the students were all, you know, they were doing their practice sessions, and I was going around checking in with the training assistants to see how everybody was doing. <laughs> and one of them, you know, we were in past life training, but one of the students had popped into the afterlife and was rocketing through space. I mean, they, that student was like into the spirit world in the advanced class that we were not teaching that week. That week. <laughs> and so her partner, she said, help, I don't know what to do. So we were helping through that experience. While that was happening, I started getting this sharp pain in my side, and it was excruciating. It took my breath away. And so um, I helped get that session back on track, and then I stepped outside, and it happened again. And it was sharp, like being stabbed. So I pulled myself together, and then I walked down to the room that John was in with his partner. And, um, and John is his pseudonym, not his actual name right. for the listeners. Mm-hmm. So I walked into that room, and I, I'm trying my best not to use the actual names because <laughs> um, I know who they are. So um, Pops walked into that room, and they're finishing up the session, but I knew what was happening. But I hadn't been in the room. I had been down the hall. And so I'm, I was asking him questions, and he said, no. I said, wasn't that – that's the session that we did in your my office that day, and because I know about the horse, and I know about the red tassel on the plume coming out of the horse's um, – whatever you call that out of the top of its mantle – and he said, no, Bryn. Um, and then, then I asked his partner, I said, did you find out who killed him? And right at that time, he said, well, Bryn, it was you. You, <laughs> stabbed, you stabbed me, but I got you good. And we were laughing because, you know, my, they said, why are you holding your side? Well, it had started hurting again when I stepped into the room. Uh-huh. So I knew his session, not because I facilitated it, but because I was in it, and I was standing facing the horse, stabbing him on the battlefield of Antioch while he was, you know, stabbing back at me. I'm a better fighter, apparently. Yeah. But um, I will say that we're good friends today. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a great example of just because someone kills you in a past life doesn't mean you have to carry over animosity. You know, yeah. He resolved it, and he, he, he would tell you today, he just needed a way out of that life. Mm-hmm. And I, I stepped up and said, I'll do it. I hope you charged him extra for stabbing you, you know, like eight <laughs> times during that session. And I would have. I, I know that. I, yeah, I, good. Yeah, you, you tell him there, you know, because that's what I would have done, too. Nobody stabs me in my sessions, you know. I, I'd <laughs> go off. that on a disclaimer. I'll charge extra for the if that happens. Yeah, or stab me again, and I'll tell everybody what your real name is. No pseudonyms for radio anymore, John. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel you know, that people think 
that there has to be, I mean, often there is negativity when Mm -hmm. there's a person that just, there's something about them and they rub you the wrong way and you just can't seem to get along or no matter how you try. And it's not like that with him. And it's not like that with others, Mm -hmm. you know, because whatever it was from the past life has been cleared. So there's no carryover. Yes, we happen to be in each other's lives again today. Just no more stabbing, I hope. So far. Okay, so far. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. That's almost like a method. I haven't killed her so far. (laughs) (laughs) He's helped out with a couple of trainings. So when we tell that story at training, everybody always wants to know what's next. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I I think it's also important to mention that he and I happened, um, and and we've had several past lives that we found out together, and we tend to be um, teachers helping each other out. And so on the battlefield, we were equally matched as adversaries in a way that it, it was almost fun to finally have somebody that was good to fight against than somebody that just didn't put up a fight and wasn't very sure. good. Or you could always pull the old, anything you can do, I can do better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, he might stab me, though. If I, if well, I'm yeah, sure. that's true. Yeah, that's true. That might push him over the edge. Yeah. But what are the odds of that? I mean, I, I it actually happened to me once in, in one of my sessions with somebody where, yeah, you kind of figured out kind of within the course of the moment that you know, we could have indeed been tied into that same past life, you know. Sure. Yeah. And, but, you but, know, as, as hypnotherapists learning this work, we're taught don't interject yourself into the client's session. Mm-hmm. Let it be a clear session. So it's not like this happens a lot, and I wasn't even asking that. He, he's the one that told me that. So in the in the handful of times it has happened, the client has told me. Yeah, I, I found the, the most uncanny thing, and it, it happened, I think, throughout maybe uh, a good 10 or 12 in a row where somebody's passed. They were always somebody famous, you know. They couldn't be just some Joe Schmo from down the road, you know. They were, you know, King Henry VIII or... <laughs> yeah. You know, Houdini, or, I mean, you know, it was always somebody famous. Uh, And now, a couple of people in the book were maybe royalty, or um, I, I I took out names and identifying facts, if it was a castle or a place that could have been identified, Mm -hmm. because I didn't want that to take away from the story. Mm -hmm. I felt like the story was more important. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. also why I um, took out the guides' names or their soul names because they're very personal to the client. And I didn't, you know, Michael Newton and some of my teachers, when they're sharing stories in the books, by the time they wrote their books, many of those people had passed away or it was okay to share. I have permission from my clients to share these stories, but they're still out there living their lives very active in the world, and I wanted to keep some anonymity and also not, I mean, they are literally bearing their souls for these stories and Mm. sessions. 
and I didn't I didn't want to take away from that for them. Yeah, but to, to, for the record, especially on Timmy's show, Supernatural Realm Radio, well, we'll let you take credit. You know, we'll let sure. you do that. <laughs> Doesn't okay. have, have, you know, humility is always good, and you know, kind of asked and answered that we find you to have some wonderful humility. But with that said, you can take credit. You know. <laughs> And, you know, with Cesar, what we're doing is uncovering the mysteries of the soul. Mm. I mean, the client is literally in that deeper state, in touch with their soul mind, awakening to the truth that they already knew about themselves, but they're seeing it in a new way. Because on the soul level, they know all of this, but in their human form, they didn't need to bring all of that consciously because they had all these other experiences they needed to experience first. Mm-hmm. But at this stage that they're being brought in, it's now time to awaken to another piece of themselves, such as a past life or soul's purpose, in a way that they're ready for. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what happened with me with the acting. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I went along that one track, and then when it was time, I went off in this whole other direction. And like everything, I threw myself into it. I don't um, do things halfway. Well, yeah, and we also appreciate that you're also considering in-between lives or future lifetimes, you know. Yes. Well, and that's where Cesar takes place, you know, because my Life Between Lives sessions started shifting, and they started going more into this, this healing space, and clients just started naturally drifting there. So I, and, and I started learning questions to ask, and information that was available to them in that space that was helping them, you know, tremendously to break patterns, move through issues, Um, you know, bringing in more of that soul self is helping the client to connect to guidance that's available to them so that they have more connection and can make decisions better. You know, do I do this or that? What should I do? Where, you know, what should I do next? It's to help alert you to that clarity and align to that better. And then you have guides and you have a soul advisory council. You have these beings that are available to help us if we can just tap in and get clear of the chatter. Because yeah. you know, there's so many distractions here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there certainly are. Yeah, I've got like 11 guides now. How about you, Timmy? How many I, guides you got this week? <laughs> I'm not sure. I've got to tune into them better. It, does, it changes week to week, too. Yeah. Well, you do have your specialty guides. Yeah. So you have a guide that helps you with TV show, uh, with um, podcasts and radio, mm. you know. Cool. <laughs> Timmy's going to want to track down my guide and shut him the hell up. I know that. <laughs> I will, I will accomplish that one of these days. Speaking of guides, we got a book to give away, Chip. We do. We do. Indeed. Yes. Uh, the Limitless Soul that we've been kind of alluding to, if not uh, in bits and pieces already talking about. So tell us more about that, Tim. Uh, for a listener that uh, calls in and asks a uh, meaningful question to Bryn, will receive a copy of the book, The Limitless Soul, Hypno-Regression Case Studies into Past, Present, 
and future lives. The number is 724-602-2826. Again, 724-602-2826. Call in and uh, maybe you got a chance to get a free book. Yeah. Hey, I've asked some meaningful questions already. Does, <laughs> does that count? <laughs> maybe. Okay. Yes, it does. Uh, all right, cool. Cool. Because I know I would benefit from that book, The Limitless Soul. It's, it sounds very, very cool. And now with that, Timmy, back to you, brother. You guys ready to take a break? And we'll see if we can get any anybody to call in with a question oh, for Brent. Sure. Uh, give that number one more time, please, so I can write it down. Uh, the number is 724-602-2826. And if you call in with a question for Brent, uh, you have a chance of receiving a copy of her book, Limitless Soul. We'll be right yeah. back right after this. You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. God, I love the station. Things go bump in the night, it's more likely you're plumbing acting up than your dead uncle paying you a visit. Call Roto-Rooter for fast 24-hour professional plumbing, sewer, and now water restoration services. Unlike some of those other plumbing companies, you don't have to be scared when you call Roto-Rooter for help. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Mondays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Kindness Beyond the Veil, even in the darkest realms and mysteries, good things happen. Kind, even loving things in the paranormal, psychic world, extraterrestrials, mystical healing, light workers, starseeds, things that have astounded us since the beginning of time, do have a Monday side to them. And we'll show you on Kindness Beyond the Veil every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your host, Chip Reichenthal. Leading into Michael Barra's Late Night in the Midlands show at 9 Eastern, making Mondays worthy of looking forward to right here on WCETFM because that's where the action is. What is the supernatural realm exactly? Why do people have paranormal or mystical experiences? There's some science behind it they're not looking at. Why do some people have negative encounters and others don't? What are the best methods to use and is there some new truth to them? We'll ask these questions on the hit radio show, Supernatural Realm with Tim Roxbury, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your co-host Chip Reichenthal. Supernatural Realm, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 to 9 Eastern, leading into Michael Vera's Late Night in the Midlands at 9, right here on WCETFM, because that's where the action is. And welcome back to the Supernatural Realm on WCET.FM. You are listening to, uh, again, the Supernatural Realm with our special guest, Brandon Blankenship. Chip, are you there, buddy? I sure am. I wouldn't leave this conversation for the world. 
Yeah. <laughs> Bren, do you find that um, your clients, when they first meet you, um, are they afraid to find out what what their uh, session may reveal about them? Are they nervous? A little bit. You know, they're excited, they're anticipating what's coming, but there's a little bit of worry about what if I'm someone bad in a past life? What if I find out that I did something bad? And I try to explain to them, just like an actor will take on different roles, because one time you might play the good guy and then the next time a bad guy, Um, we do that in these different lifetimes as well. So that doesn't define you. But you learn through all experiences. Your soul learns through all of these experiences. And, you know, by the time we talk for a few minutes before they have the session, and, you know, by the time we start, they're much more comfortable. And I haven't, I mean, yes, I've had people find out that they killed someone in a past life, but I haven't had anyone that was so terrible that, um, that they didn't make it through. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they die, they go up, they talk with their guides, their guides explain the situation and why that was the way it was. And then they learn from it and then take that learning and bring that forth into their next life. So mm-hmm. that, that's calming, comforting, I should say. Yeah. Do you find that with, with your clients that, you know, have you ever found that, Maybe there's something supernatural uh, that may be going on in in, in their uh, past life or during a uh, regression session that you're doing with them. Oh, yeah. Often I find out that people that have gifts, intuitive gifts now, psychic abilities, intuitive healers, um, you know, energy workers, that we find out that in their past lives they did those things as well. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing them in a new in a new or different way. Very cool. Chip, you got a follow up question for Brent? Oh, a, a thousand of them at least. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I guess I'll I'll start with um I guess one that's uh, technique oriented. You know, I, I have friends when they do past life regression hypnotherapy, uh, they will have the person speak aloud uh, in regard to what they're experiencing once they're, you know, in that room where they are facing their uh, past life, if you will. Um, I personally just, uh, you know, let them stay quiet, experience the thing. I, I basically give them about four to five minutes uh, to be well, I take them into this specific room where they go in, and we'll meet their past life. Um, you know, not being able to really feel anything emotional with its regard, kind of like they are uh, watching from a distance, if you will. You know, so they won't be impacted by the method of their death or any of the other information that comes in. Um, do you, uh, once once you have that person uh, meeting that half-life, <laughs> thank you, Dan, um, do you, is there, do you do one or the other, or sometimes both, or? Uh, I work a little differently. I take them through the past life, and we hit the highlights, the parts that they need to know, and often their guide guides them. 
So I'm, you know, I get them into the past life, and they're and the client is guiding themselves. Actually, I mean, you know, they are following instructions, breathing, relaxation, all of these things to take themselves into that deeper state. But um, because I can't make them go there if they don't want to or if, if they choose not to. Sure. But once right. they get there, the session kind of takes on this other feel, and often the guides move them through the past life to get important information, and then we go through the death scene. But we don't stay in the death scene. There's no mm-hmm. point in reliving that. Right. We go through the death scene to get into the spirit world. There the, the guides are available to work with the client, to heal any imprints or patterns that have been carried forward. And then that's when the rest of their spiritual team shows up. You know, because we were talking about this earlier, you have your guides, but you also have a soul advisory council. And that is the council, the group of wise beings that helped your soul when it was planning out the life that you're living now and all of your incarnations. So members of that Soul Advisory Council can change throughout lifetimes. As you're picking up a skill or as you're moving to another level of experience, you might have a change in the members of that council. Yet some of the council have been with you since the the very first incarnation. Mm -hmm. And some of them... um, have incarnated before, and some of them may have never incarnated that are on that council. And then, so, so they help with the pre-planning and the bigger picture, and then you have your, your guide or guides, you might have a couple of guides, that help you with the details and the day-to-day. So you are part of that whole planning process. Your soul is in that meeting room with those beings when they're saying, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we set this up for you this time around? And then we're going to give you that person that's going to come along and you're going to trust them. And right when you trust them, they're going to betray you. Won't that be fun? (laughs) (laughs) Good way to spend a Friday night. (laughs) Exactly. So the the point I'm trying to get across here is when you understand that you have responsibility for planning out your life, mm-hmm. it it helps when these situations come up because it keeps you out of victim mode and puts you into that mode of understanding that, okay, I planned this experience. What is the lesson here so that I can get through it more quickly, smoothly, and not have to repeat it? You know, because if you don't get it, it's just going to come back stronger and bigger mm-hmm. until you finally get the message. So your soul advisory team is helping, and clients meet with soul advisory team, soul advisory council, um, in this in the sester session, and then they also meet with their guides. But your guide is more in touch with you for the day to day and the details. The guides are the ones that come in and say, "Okay, you need to take a left and go down this road, and don't go the way you were going to go because there's an accident up ahead." go this way. You can save some time. Sounds a lot like my wife when we're driving somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. With that said, I digress. Uh, One more question before I turn it back to Tim. Uh, But building on a a question he asked earlier about uh, supernatural occurrences that that may 
befall, you know, throughout the particular session in question. I had a couple of unusual things recently, and, you know, we talk about the concept of starseeds and indigo children, which is kind of a uh, more prevalent, you know, as we enter more into this new age, if you will, uh, that uh, someone may have incarnated here from another world, another planetary system, another galaxy, if you will. Uh, sometimes that explains people who have been diagnosed in the autism spectrum uh, along what they call disorder. I don't, I don't like that term personally. But I have had some sessions, especially as of late, when I bring somebody in uh, a, a past life and theirs was one that was not human. And by that, I don't mean that they were an animal or a plant or a bacterium or anything earthly. Uh, they were either some sort of humanoid kind of non-terrestrial energy or even light beings, you know, that, that's come up to uh, that sort of thing happen with you. I tend to have um, them describe it as my body is light, my body is different than human. There have been times where they've said I'm, I kind of have the features of a human, but I'm longer and taller, and they'll describe other planets. There's an orange planet, there's a blue planet, um, there's a purple one, there, you know, um, they give great detail about the activities that are going on there just as they would if they went to an earthly lifetime. And I, I like to describe, and this came through a, one of my clients, but I like to describe Earth as the emotional planet. Yeah. Because yeah. half the battle here is managing your emotions. Oh, and, sure. You know, we don't have those emotions. They tell us that we don't have those emotions on those other planets. Mm hmm. Yeah, which, which would explain uh, a lot of people that <clears throat> seem to be almost in a consistent state of sensory overload, you know, and that's one of the things that they could never really get answered through any other method other than uh, past life regression hypnotherapy. Oh, and, you know, when I'm working with someone like that, often their guides will take them into like a healing chamber or... Um, you know, all kinds of places that help them to heal, um, I don't know, heal is not the right word, to manage that sensitivity, to lift some of the heaviness that they've picked up in this lifetime off mm -hmm. of them, mm -hmm. and often they'll give them a shield or something to help for future time, future situations where they're encountering stress. Sometimes they'll give them a technique to do where it's something that they personally can do for themselves to turn down the noise or manage the noise if they're in a crowd, if they're that sensitive. And because those souls need a lot of quiet time. <laughs> away from, not, not like quiet time um, without speaking. Like, yeah, you know, pun punishment. Away from the crowd. Yeah. Out in yeah. nature. Mm. And that's why I put some of the exercises in the book. Um, you know, those are things that I've done personally or clients mentioned in their sessions. Some of those are acting techniques, journaling techniques that are really great to help regroup, tune in, 
align with your higher self, you know, to clear the noise, to clear the clutter, and get clear on what you're supposed to do next. Mm. Wow. Outstanding. It's exciting. And there have been times, too, where uh, a soul advisory council member has been described as from another planet. And um, in those situations, they explain, we're not different. We just take on a costume. When we go to that planet, we take on the costume of that planet. So on our planet, the human is the alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I know a lot of humans where that's the case uh, right here, right now, today, you know. I mean... Yeah. Uh, and they say that, you know, we all have a planet of or- origin, origin mm-hmm. that resonates with our vibration. Yeah, so I, I'm... About that. That's oh, I'm where some of these gifts come from. Yeah, when you I, come I, in and are a child prodigy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Now that makes a lot we of all, sense to me. And we all have these other gifts that maybe are not as uh, pronounced or, you know, to where you can see them as being a child prodigy. Mm-hmm. But many of our gifts come from other planets that we've already lived on and, and done that. Well, we work with light and sound and vibration and creating. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I'm on my path to ascension, if you will, you know, and I'm getting a lot of very, very strange messages the further along I go. And and a lot of that is helped along by uh, some PLR, you know, uh, to, to put it in perspective, because some of these things are flirting with lifelong belief systems. You know, uh, and and you really have to ask yourself the question. I I mean, for the most part, though, I think past life regression hypnotherapy is is among the the most therapeutic things one can do. And they don't have to have a belief in past lives per se in order to get uh, you know this catharsis from from uh, these sessions. You know, it just ask or answers a lot of questions that have been haunting us really uh, uh, pretty much as long as we've been alive, you know. <laughs> uh, I've worked with people from all backgrounds, and I will say, and I mean like priests, rabbis, you now they've come from other places because they wouldn't go to a hypnotherapist in their in their backyard. Right. They're, they're, not in my, they're not in my backyard either. Right. <laughs> um, but... They had the same questions that we all have and mm-hmm. want answers to. Why are we here? What is my purpose? How, what is my useful purpose? How can I best serve humanity? What can I do with this life to make the most of this life? And what are my gifts? Yeah. Because, you know, often our gifts are things that we don't even recognize as gifts because we think everybody can do it. Right, right. Like the gift of gab. <laughs> because that is a gift. Some people are so shy that they can't speak. They fall apart if they have to speak. Yeah. Now, I've never had any problem with that. Timmy will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was very shy in high school. And, you know, I used hypnosis as I got older to move past that. Mm-hmm. And then my dad, my dad, he was interested in all of these things that we're talking about. And he was a hypnotherapist, 
but he focused more on self-hypnosis. So he was always telling us to hold positive thoughts in our mind, and, you know, he came at it from that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... me along my path, and I didn't even didn't even recognize that's what was happening. Right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's parenthood for you. I get that from my daughter all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like my mother would say, you get that from your father. Mm-hmm. But now it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> okay, I'll take credit. <laughs> yeah. Prior to this radio show, I I would I was very shy. I wouldn't really talk in public. I, you know, when I was in kindergarten. I would I would talk to the the other children, but I wouldn't talk to my teachers. So that they made the, uh, me stay into a kindergarten type class for another year until I would open up and talk more. So yeah, I struggled with that all through school. I, I was very shy. So. <laughs> well, you know, when people have to get up and do book reports, mm-hmm. like in in. So in general hypnosis, not past life regression, often I take people back in current life regression to the time where their issue started. And if they have an issue with public speaking, it often happened when they were younger and had to stand up in front of the class and give Mm -hmm. a book report. And people in the back of the class were cutting up and throwing spitballs and laughing. But you don't know what they're laughing at when you're the one up there. Right. So you think they're laughing at you. When I take them back, they are able to see that they weren't even paying attention to the person that was up there. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. weren't even paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. They were just back there making jokes. Yeah. And when they see that, it takes all the pressure off and wipes away years of of those types of situations that have just built on that initial incident. Initial sensitizing event is what we call that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I will say, you know, I, I was never shy, I don't think, ever, you know. But I will say, as somebody who has always loved public speaking, that picturing the crowd in their underwear doesn't help. No. <laughs> it really doesn't, doesn't help. It makes it worse. Yeah, it, it, it does. I, I don't know who came up with that one. It certainly wasn't Dale Carnegie, but, you know, maybe his sister... Yeah, but it just never really did anything, you know, to to make anything better. I just looked over their heads, you know, but you always see somebody that's that's staring right at you in a good way, you know. There, you could tell they're focused, yeah. and so it's easier to play to them and then the people right around them in that central area. But making them naked or in their underwear. No, that that doesn't enhance a thing except one's imagination, I suppose. But you know, we can always picture people naked, you know, without having to be a public speaker. (laughs) That's just good creativity. I think that's a whole other kind of hypnotherapist. That's that's a whole other show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that kind of hypnotherapist. No, I mean me neither. Me neither. You know. No, nor did I ever well, try know, to put a love so spell on somebody. Oh, sure. I Oh, I know. Well, we you used know, to there this... are, there's stage hypnosis, which is a real thing. It's just not what we do in session. Yeah, that, and... that if anything, discouraged me from, from the art altogether because I didn't want to make people, you know, act like monkeys or chickens, you know. That's not fun to me. 
But there was one thing that I used to do, and I don't know if you do this too. <clears throat> Again, it's a, a part of the creative process. When I write scripts out, generally, you know, at least the way that I do it, they're, they're, we have a suggestibility test that we give to people to see, you know, if, if they fall on either of the extremes of really, really super suggestible or not suggestible at all, you know, uh, and, uh, and then we custom uh, scripts based on their suggestibility quotient. Uh, and, but I used to, you know, accentuate certain words in like the one or two sentences before it. It's kind of like subliminal advertising where, you know, you emphasize words like you will trust me, you know, over uh -huh. like uh, half a paragraph. So there is that kind of added thing, you know. Like an embedded suggestion. Like an embedded suggestion that's part of the script of suggestions, you know. And again, to be very, very careful to not step over that line, you know. The first time I ever heard about past life regression hypnosis, I thought it was the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life, you know. This was before I started doing it, of course, but in psychology in college, you know, where they come in and say, well, we could take you to a past life and we could, you know, it's very therapeutic and yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking you're putting them in a suggestible state. I mean, that what kind of crock is that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. and because of that, I would always go out of my way to make sure that my language did not push them into a certain suggestion, you know? that, that uh, it, it's their free will the entire time and I'm not doing anything to color that to make sure that they have some sort of specific past life or anything to that nature, you know. Exactly. And I'm very careful. You know, I've had clients in a past life and I'm getting a sense of where they are. You know, one time it was a Native American and these men were coming up and they were white men with these these jackets and I think they call them coats and he was describing a, a soldier right and he was describing a uniform but I didn't want to use the word uniform I didn't want to use soldier right and once we got more of the scene then he described what was happening and it was the um, trail of tears oh we had the time period and everything it was just called something different back then mm -hmm. so I let him call it what it was called and then after that, we were able to get some confirmation and do some research into those dates and times of what we found. But they didn't have a name for a uniform. Mm. They knew they were white men, but they just didn't have a name for that yet yeah. in that time period that the client went back to. Yeah. So, you know, that's important to not lead your client. You know, I'm careful with it. And if there's any music playing, um, I use neutral music for relaxing. Mm -hmm. Sure. We don't want to use something that's going to send them into a Native American drumming, drumming yeah. CD that's going to take them there, or an Oriental CD take them back to Japan. Sure. Because it, it is it is doing the client ultimately a disservice, you know. But it's also I I think just um, ethical, you know, in, in terms of ethics, yeah, I'm very careful to do that. But I mean, yeah. Timmy and I have been under those situations in a paranormal setting, you know, we've gone to these uh, ghost hunts, if you will, I don't like to use that term, but 
and we would come across the spirit of uh, Native American. We'd have to call them Indians, though, because they, you know, if we uh, w walked up to that spirit and said, so you're Native American, the spirit's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <What's that? laughs> exactly. You know? we, we weren't called Native American. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know. You know, when clients are in that the past lives, they are sometimes speaking with the same accent that they would have had then. Right, and, and the culture, culture and language of the time period that they were in, you know, that yes. they see themselves in at that time. We do that same thing on, on you know, these paranormal excursions. Uh, it, you know, we have to do our history to make sure that we have an idea of who may be there in spirit, somebody who lived and died on the property or lived and died around or near the property and, and what time periods they mm -hmm. were. And ideally, if we come across the spirit of a, a carpenter from 1804, you know, then if we talk to them in the language of 2019, they won't know what the hell we're talking about. Plus, there are certain things that are fine nowadays that absolutely weren't fine at all back then, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly. Yeah, so, so what? When clients are in the Sessor session, in that soul level of the mind, often they start channeling their soul. They start mm -hmm. speaking in another voice that comes through the client and speaking about the client in third person to me mm -hmm. about the client that's laying in that chair and telling me information that's helpful for the client is if the client's not there saying it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the client has the awareness after, you know, as that's being said and after the session. They know what was being said, so it's not like the kind of channeling where you leave the body. Mm -hmm. It's just that they kind of step back and the soul uses the body to speak. And that you, we get their immortal name, their soul name, that is their soul's name through eternity. And then we find out more information about what's happening, what got them to this place now, and what they need moving forward. And then we pull more of that soul energy into this physical body. So that's the supernatural piece that, mm -hmm. that happens, if you want to call it supernatural, mm -hmm. that happens for the client in the session. And the more open and the more in tune they can be, the more of that can come through in session. Yeah, yeah. But you're not going to get more than you're ready to handle. Right, right. Well, it's, it's the same thing with this fallacy about being able to hypnotize someone to be a hitman, you know? <laughs> uh, all, all this, uh, all that crap with the MK Ultra and, and, uh, um, you know, creating assassins, and if I ring this bell, then you'll automatically go back under, and you'll go and and whack so and so, you know, and you won't remember a thing because we won't do things that we wouldn't normally do, hypnotized or not. You know, I've just been a bit a huge fallacy, and you know, a kind of a, a stain on our collective name as hypnotherapists because people think that you might be able to turn them into assassins because you can make them scream like monkeys on stage. You know? Speaking of assassins, Chip. On stage, they're somnambulists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The hypnotist has scanned the crowd doing exercises to pull out the somnambulists 
that they go bigger, better, faster under hypnosis to do those things, and they know it's there for entertainment. Mm. So it's no big deal to get up there and, you know, take your shoe off and pretend that it's a kitten because you know it's all in good fun. But when it starts to cross the line, that's when they would say no. They would, mm. they would say, I don't want to do that. Right, right, yeah. But I see a lot of people don't know that. And Tim, you were going to say, speaking of assassins. Yeah, I was. I, I was wondering, you know, these these individuals that do these mass killings, like the ones in Texas and the one in Ohio, and and the other ones. It, to me, it makes me wonder if it's tied to something that they did in their past life, re recreating itself. Some some. I don't I've, know because. Yeah. That's not my typical client. Mm -hmm. No, but it, it depends, I think, on the specific situation. Yeah. You know? But I will but very say rarely. that um, what I do know from um, past lives, mm -hmm. between lives, the information I've been given is that um, something goes off track when they incarnate. Mm -hmm. Something in the soul mind that's not part of the plan. Because you do have free will. And, you know, you, you, we, we plan out lifetimes, but we have free will to follow that or not. And, you know, at some point, this massive disconnect takes place, and they're so disconnected, they just can't get back. And I don't know if that would, you know, I don't know enough about the, the current situations to know if that's what's happening or if it's something else that's causing it. But it, it's, it, start, it makes a little sense to me. Mm -hmm. Do you think something could follow them from a previous life into this life that's been plaguing them during this lifetime? It may cause them to do something like that? I would say perhaps it's a, it's a pattern mm -hmm. that is continuing. From a like, previous life, um, you think? Yeah. yeah. But it depends on the person and the situation. Right. You know? But it's hard for me to speculate because I haven't, you know, I haven't had someone like that in my chair. Right. Um, and these people do have social outlets, you know, where they find acceptance. Yeah. You know, any time that I've met somebody that on the face of it would want to throw me in an oven mm. and because of my father's blood background, <laughs> you know, if I sit down and talk to them, they turn out to be... Um, sweet, you know, really, but they come from a, a childhood that was fruitless, um, that uh, was very abusive almost always, and they just needed a sense of belonging from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily have any bearing on a past life, you know, in, in the case of these people that I have met, you know, but for somebody to walk into a room full of people and open fire, uh, first of all, that's not necessarily under the mentally ill category either. Right. You know, there are forms of acceptance that we generally don't feel or forms of community that we generally don't feel unless we find the last possible road of people that will welcome us and warm us in and make them feel as they're equal as long as it's under the blanket of hatred, as long as it's under the blanket of uh, 
uh, immorality, absolute uh, recklessness, and uh, it's always us against the world. Mm -hmm. And they're feeding into fears that people are telling them about this group full of people that they plan to assassinate and how horrible they must be and how that they have no right whatsoever to live. It's not video games. It's not mental illness. It's just a broken society and broken people, you know. But, uh, you know, could could it be a past life thing? Perhaps, mm. you know, maybe well, there's these... There's a duality, and, you know, there are, there are souls that come from, let's say, lower-level souls and higher-level souls here on, on Earth right now. And so... The lower level souls are coming purely from a place of brain power, so to speak, where the higher level souls are coming from soul power. Mm. You know, they're they're guided by something more than just those lower level patterns that people can get sucked into that you were just describing, you know, being cut, feeling cut off from and getting into these belief systems about certain groups. But soul power, it comes from that higher place and comes through. It's how we're able to do things that we shouldn't really be able to do, but somehow we had like a freak accident that bridged a gap of something or moved beyond. And and also soul power is happening with all the souls that are coming in across the world globally to shift plague, illness, war, you know, it's those souls that are connecting at a soul level but here on the planet that are shifting. Mm -hmm. So even though there are some souls that seem evil, it's somehow part of the divine plan. Mm -hmm. All souls are part of that and I tend to look at this as it's showing us what can happen mm -hmm. if we follow a certain belief system or you know when people feel disrespected they retaliate right. and so they go into that isolation mode and they feel disrespected and low self-esteem and so we got to lift and change how we're treating people but mm -hmm. You know, it's, you can look at someone and say, that's how I want to be. That's a great role model, a great example. And you could look at someone else and say, that's exactly how I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe somehow that's their purpose is to mirror that. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I talked to a lot of spirit mediums, yeah. including on this program, mm -hmm. that say that, a lifetime, a specific incarnation where you suicide or you kill someone is part of this kind of endless book of stories that, you know, you will eventually, eventually see all sides of all aspects of life. Everything from the fear scale, everything from the love scale, and, and eventually reach that point where you can you're basically you're done you know uh, but as far as killing groups of people 
you know, I I have yet to meet a spirit medium who said uh, yes to that one, mm. you know, and and yeah. uh, but um, but I I still do have a tendency to believe that yeah there are certain lifetimes where that's part of a lesson of a complete uh, spectrum of life lessons, you know. Uh, some and people through that if you've had a past life that you you um you didn't treat people right or you hurt them, you know, you lived your life hurting people physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. When you can look at it because you've gone through the life, you've gone through the life review when you go back home, mm-hmm. your home place, well, that is an opportunity when you come back to learn compassion. Right. Because you know mm-hmm. how it feels, or you you perpetrated those crimes, it's a chance to be more compassionate huh? and and soulful when when you know when helping us when when coming back for a future lifetime where you've evolved past that behavior. Yeah, it's kind of an as above, so below thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you do something destructive, or you see a planet or a star. Or uh, you know, big uh, groups of, of dust winds that destroy something will lead into the creation of something else. So that also is part of the chain too. We had yeah. somebody uh, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with regard to their suicide. Yeah, last week actually. Yeah, last week, and we saw how even through this. Uh, horrid thing, especially for the people that that survived mm-hmm. that person who took their life. Um, there is kind of a, a creative process that comes out of their self-destruction. You know, people will um, learn their own lessons while they're still alive that had survived this this young man who did this. You know, you have to be very objective in the assessment of that. Because, you know, this is an emotionally th- very near and dear to them. But you zoom out from 400,000 feet and you can see that somebody's destructive or self-destructive uh, motives have created this uh, creative balance on the mm. other side of it. So, in other words, you're saying there's something for pe- people can learn something from this or they could gain something from being... God, I hope so them. because, yeah. you know... I. It, it's hard to think that these uh, completely unconscionably horrific acts we've seen, you know, there's not just one shooting per weekend anymore or one shooting it's per two. day anymore, you know, but yeah, uh, it, it will do something to enhance our collective or individual paths forward uh, somehow, if not only ideally. That's all I really have to say about that. <laughs> you know, tragedy brings people together. Mm-hmm. It's awful when it happens, and even like hurricanes and other earth events mm-hmm. that, you know, destruction takes place. But tragedy helps make people stronger. Yeah. When, yeah. when you, you know, when you've been through something like that. I have to, and I and I should say I haven't been through something personally like that, but um, you know the closest thing I could relate to is hurricanes and the destruction that they do, mm-hmm. and 
um, having to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I a got very, a very question. Difficult process. Go for it, buddy. Um, Brent, what do clients discover following their sessions with you? Well, what tends to happen is uh, an intense feeling of love and joy. Mm-hmm. Usually they're crying, they're tears of joy and happiness, and an understanding that they're not alone, that there is help available to them in the form of guides and helpers and soul group members that are incarnate here and understanding more about their connection to their soul. And, you know, understanding that they have a purpose and that their purpose is part of that divine plan. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they're feeling insignificant. And it also helps them to, as as you understand your place in this world, it helps you to have more passion, more um, energy, more zest for living and co-creating with your soul's guidance and learning to listen to that and less worry and fear. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you don't get afraid, but it means that you don't stay in that space because you know that help is available. You know that you can connect and, and find a solution to the situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. Instead of becoming overwhelmed by whatever's happening in in life, mm-hmm. I, I know with me personally, uh, before being involved with the paranormal and, and learning about my empath abilities and doing this show, I felt very uh, disconnected from society. I, I I felt, you know, I had a hard time fitting in no matter where I was, and no matter what group of people I was involved with. It was very hard to connect with people before before you know I was involved with this that I'm in this radio show now. When I was a kid, we would go to church, mm-hmm. and we would come out of church, and the preacher had just finished talking about life everlasting and right. going, you know, to eternal living, the eternal existence. So I can remember being four years old and talking to the preacher because we, he would say, honey, did you enjoy the sermon? And I, do you have, you know, do you have any questions? And I, I would ask, well, if we go somewhere, where do we come from? Mm-hmm. And my mother looked like she just wanted to crawl under the church. <laughs> and I was serious. Because right. I wanted to understand where do we, how did we get here? Where mm-hmm. do we come from? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get a good answer. <laughs> so she would tell me not to talk. Just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's her fault that <laughs> I was shy. Yeah. I used to be outgoing, but I would say things that would embarrass her. <laughs> I used to tease her and tell her that she did that to me. Yeah. That's my wife and her mom, too. You Because know? my wife, yeah, she liked to ask the difficult questions, mm-hmm. you know. For example, yeah. we, we just had this one answered a couple of weeks ago, Tim, mm-hmm. but my wife's favorite question that she likes to go into churches and ask is, you know, okay, so there's Adam, and then he <laughs> loses a rib and gains a woman, and then they have two boys, Where one of which is ultimately tortured <laughs> to death, and the other one sent out to populate the world, and the question is, where are the women at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she never really and got it. how did they get here to begin with? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. 
And how come That's every time I would have asked at church? Yeah, me too. How come every time I go to a barbecue place for ribs, I don't get a bunch of chicks? You know, uh, <laughs> but you know, nobody ever answered. I guess my biggest question was, you know, you you watch this guy talk about compassion and benevolence and forgiveness and mm -hmm. coexisting, you know, peacefully. And then as soon as church is over, all these women are congregating and saying, did you see Sherry? You know, what what kind of outfit, what kind of slutty outfit is that to wear to a church? <laughs> <laughs> did you not even hear anything that this guy just said? You know, uh, but I digress. And they're the I ones sitting run. in the front pew in church. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I really was listening. Like well, when I was little. Uh -huh. I mean, not just me, all these kids out there, they're just trying to figure out what are the rules. Mm -hmm. When we're little and the adults are talking and they're saying, do this, don't do that, we're formulating what we can do and what we're not supposed to do and what's good and what's bad. And then you, and then you're with a different group of adults, and then they tell you, no, you can do this, but you can't do that. And I'm like, but you just told me over here that that was okay. Mm -hmm. And so all these children are just trying to figure out what we're allowed to do and not do, and not get in trouble for doing mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But mm -hmm. as an adult, it's interesting because I think of that story a lot back at church, um, because. I always had those kinds of questions, mm -hmm. and um, it's like I'm, I'm, my purpose in life doing this work is fulfilling the questions that I had since I was very, very young. Yeah. Where do we come from? Why are we here? How, how does this all work? I used to wonder, you know, it's, it seems to me it's like air traffic control with <laughs> all the comings and goings of souls. And, you know, somebody's up there, okay, this one's got to come in here at this time to line up with that one there who's going to come in at this time at that point in that one's life. And then all the people that are connected to all the other people that are connected to them. It's amazing the orchestration of souls coming and going on this planet. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of our line of work, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Because yeah, it's interesting. We've we we talked to some. You know, we have this equipment where you can kind of hear a spirit in real time now. You know, some of that equipment better than others. But mm -hmm. I remember once we were on this uh, big public thing, and and somebody really really good was running this dialogue, and they said, you know, they were talking to some spirit on some sort of audio equipment, and saying. We see you as dead. How do you see us? <laughs> and they answered, dead. You know, so maybe they think we're the spirit. You know, yeah, they're the ones that are alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because where they are, we're the alien. Right, and we're trespassing on their property too. By the yep. way, so no point in getting <laughs> all going, rude about what it. What are they wearing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Why are they wearing that? Yeah, look at that chip kid. What a slut. Look at what he's got on today. <laughs> it's like I felt like I was at church. Uh, but that's, again, for another day. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of kind of very interesting and unique parallels to 
to past life regression hypnosis and, and the paranormal, you know. Oh, oh, and I got a question for you with that regard. Because we do come to have opportunities from time to time. You know, I was a big, uh, I take psychology very seriously. I was a big psych major back in the day. You know, and um, th there is nothing more beautifully therapeutic than a, a past life regression hypnosis. But with that said, I've had opportunities that I have turned down. So that's why I'm asking you this. <clears throat> On any kind of um, other regressive uh, hypnotherapeutic techniques, for example, uh, if somebody might have had an uh, an alien alien abduction type of encounter, mm. and the only way to remember it would be to regress them, you know. But to me, that's no different from somebody who is blind because of a hysterical dissociative neurotic reaction. They saw something so horrifying <clears throat> that they actually and literally lost their sense of sight, you know, and that's a very, very delicate kind of thing. But because a, a past life regression is a regressive approach, you know, have you ever thought of or considered doing any other kind of regressive techniques with people where we might have to, you know, flirt with something uh, that brings up a, a memory that is so bad that they, you know, they basically force themselves to shut it out of their existence. Yeah, um, that's really not my area. I, I haven't really had that happen either in sessions where um, they've been under, able to uncover that. And I would think uh, a psychologist that's trained in regression therapy might be a better person to go to because sure. they would have the therapeutic techniques for that as well as the hypnosis techniques. Yeah. 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 I just, uh, I, I never did because, I mean, technically I, I could probably find my way around a situation like that. I just didn't want to put myself in a position to have to, you know, exactly. just in case because there's always the worst case scenario and we just never know when it comes up. But, you know, figured it'd be fair to at least ask. You know. yeah. Are there any other techniques or kinds of, you know, do you do like smoking cessation or uh, weight loss or job performance sure. or anxiety or pain uh, relief or any other kinds of uh, uh, hypnotherapeutic uh, techniques that you do practice outside of uh, PLR? I do. I, so I'm a tra I do transpersonal hypnosis, and in that deeper state, clients are able to, they know what caused the problem, they're also able to find the solution to their problem, to their issue. And um, so I do weight release, smoking cessation, you know, all kinds of... Um, Worries like you know fear of snakes, uh, fear of driving. Um, if you've had a car accident and um, you know like a fender bender, and then you're scared to get back in your car because you're worried that could happen again, yeah. that's a very real thing. And it's sure, it's a post-traumatic stress um, 
but uh, with that uh, said, however, um, oh darn, I forgot my question. Tim, why don't you ask something while I try to remember what I was going to ask? Because it was a very and cool I would, question. I would like to add with, oh, on, with post-traumatic stress. I don't do a whole lot with that. Um, sometimes, you know, soldiers that have experienced PTSD, mm -hmm. they often need something. I, again, I would. I have um, psychologists who are trained in. Um, regression or hypnotherapy mm -hmm. that I, I refer them out to um, just because they I feel like they need a little more than yeah it's also them. hard to say to what extent hypnosis can make a, a solid marker on helping them over that I think it's more time and something even more individual to the person but with that said I remembered my question before. Which was, I see some people with unnatural fears, fear of heights, fear of spiders, you know, not talking about uh, something post-traumatic, but something just, um, you know, there's no real reason for it, even and including the person who has these fears. <clears throat> but I, I have found a correlation over time between past lives and uh, fear of water, fear of heights, you know, fear of spiders, yeah. that sort of thing. And uh, how about you? Fear of cats. Fear of cats. Someone recently, she's, she has a fear of cats and it went into a past life where she was an animal tamer in um, Africa and hmm. a, couple of gener a couple of centuries back. And um, she, was, she worked with elephants, tigers, cats, I forget what other animals, but anyway, one day, the cat swiped at her, big cat swiped at her, well, she was a he, a male in the past life, and killed him. So yeah. that's where the fear of cats stemmed from, and we found out more about that life and all that was involved, and it helped clear some of the feelings that she had been feeling about cats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that made sense to me. There was that, that two, those two guys from Vegas who, like for the longest time, were um, taming tigers as part of their act. Yeah. And the, the one guy ultimately was killed because he had a stroke on stage and one of his tigers picked him up by the neck, which is something actually <clears throat> kind of rather a loving thing to do, if you will. Uh, but because the tiger was very afraid at the time he was doing this because his master basically stroked out on stage, you know, he didn't realize his own strength. And ultimately it was him grabbing his master by the neck that, that killed him. So, you know, that sort of thing happens. I've had a lot of past life because I have to deal with that. And this, I think this is at least if not my, one of my final lifetimes, at least here on earth, right? I'm an old soul and I want to go home. <clears throat> but I've had a lot of past lives where I was tortured, punished, or killed for my beliefs. <clears throat> There's yeah. been times where I was a scientist and my science was going against the church. Uh, so I was tortured for that, you know, or uh, sometimes like in, in the day and age in the 1500s where Martin Luther was a little bit ahead of his time and uh, really started this epic war 
in Europe against uh, the Holy See, you know. Uh, a lot of people that were burned for uh, being reformers or Protestants, whatever you want to consider it. Or if they, if they passed a law in England letting the Protestants have their reign, that it was the Catholics who were, you know, ultimately tortured or killed. I've been burned as a witch or drowned as a witch in a couple of lifetimes. And so now... Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, now we can pretty much talk about uh, our our current beliefs openly now, really without uh, much damage at all. Mm. So, speaking of time, we got about fifteen yeah. minutes left. I want to give the listeners an opportunity to receive a copy of your book, um, Bryn, and I want to give the number out. The number is seven two four six zero two. Two eight two six again. The number is seven two four six zero two two eight two six. Call with your question, and uh, you, you may receive a copy of Limitless Soul right here on our show. Supernatural. Unless, of course, you're too shy to call. In which case, yeah, the <laughs> Limitless Soul. I know you can find it on Amazon because I'm looking at a copy as we speak. Is there any place else we could find a copy of the book if if we're a part of the listenership that's just too shy to call in? Yes, it is available on Amazon and all national booksellers. And I'm very happy to say that my book is now in its second printing. Oh, you go, girl. The beginning of June. And yeah. And we're already doing really well. And um, you can contact me through my website, uh, com. B-R-Y-N. B L A N K I N S H I P dot com. Awesome. Well, that's always a good thing to know, especially if they're too shy to call because maybe their mom yelled at them when they were in church, too. You know, <laughs> it happens. Well, if they're too shy to call, then they definitely need to see a hypnotherapist to help them. <laughs> 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 and they can find you through that very website that you just mentioned. Yeah, it might, exactly. be, it might be that public speaking thing that they're afraid of. And we'll know. find out. Has this been happening in your just in your current life, or is this uh, has this been a theme that you've been working on through several lifetimes where you're afraid to speak up because you may be killed for your beliefs? Yeah, yeah you never know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I know it's happened to me. I was actually murdered in my, my last two lives, so... This one's been pretty cool. Do you know who did it? Yeah, one one was my father. Um, and it yeah it was one of the most meaningful uh, past life regressions I ever had because my father in this lifetime has really taken such good care of me. You know, not just me, but my my sisters also. I don't have brothers. But, um. You know, if I if I ever stumble and fall, he's he's picked me up. You know, he's been basically an angel. You know, I'm old now. He's like 98 as we speak. So, <laughs> and I hope I never get to be that age. You know, but uh, but with that said, it was in a past life where, and it had to have been a couple lifetimes ago because he was born in like 1921. You know, I wasn't born until 58, so I had to had been doing something in that time period. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, I was up for this talent contract, and back in that time, it was early 1900s, so you kind of had to pay in as part of this talent contract that they pick you up uh, to put you, uh, you know, touring clubs or, you know, whatever the thing may be, or any kind of potential recording, if there was such a thing at that time, you know, but this was, I was like a musician, and there was this big talent contract that I had been invited uh, to earn uh, because they thought I was very talented. But it turns out, you know, in, in paying for part of this contract, uh, my father would have had to reveal to me that he had extorted any of the monies that I had saved my life for in order to be able to pay for this thing and rather be exposed as... Uh, as an embellisher, he uh, killed me. I, he shot me, and it was like bird shot. <laughs> so it went all throughout my, my neck and back and all the areas that in this lifetime I have uh, uh, true physical chronic pain type of things. So it answered a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> in, in a very short amount of time. And that's why, you know, he's basically an angel to me in this lifetime. It explains the, the pain that I have in the areas that I have them now. And it explained a whole lot of stuff. Really one of my fuller ones. When you revisited <clears throat> that life, did you find that some of that pain lifted? In some no. Of those areas? No. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about stuff like this on this program, too. It, they're not negative demonic attachments either, you know. Sometimes it just is what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, meditation well, helps take some of the pains away. You know, when I'm working with clients, there are some healing techniques that we do if we uncover those kinds of things, mm -hmm. and often they find relief. I can't promise that they that that's going to happen going in, but I can say that on the other end of the session, often they find relief from mm -hmm. aches and pains or more serious situations because you're shifting the pattern that created the condition mm -hmm. well, and, and, but there are some um, pain management hypnotherapy sessions that I have taken where you do the quadrants you know you can uh, feel everything except for the upper uh, quarter of your body you know from from torso to head uh, up on the left hand side and then you know, where you break it into the right quadrant, where you do the upper half of your body on the right-hand side, and then the lower half on the left and the lower half on the right that actually do work, you know. But um, uh, generally speaking, once I awake, even though I had the ability to, uh, to basically uh, not feel anything, you know, uh, 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 on my body one quarter at a time, it all comes back. Uh, but even saying that that sort of thing is possible in a hypnotic state, you know, is pretty remarkable, you know, on on its own. Right. Yeah. The pain is there for a reason. So, you know, my approach in general hypnosis and in regression is not just to go in and take the pain away. It's to find out why it's there and, you know, what, it, what purpose it's serving. 
Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's there to slow us down, to keep us out of, you know, to, get, to tell us to slow down because we're not taking care of ourselves. Other times it's because of a, an accident or a condition. And if it shows up in a past life, it, it like, for example, if someone were hung in a past life um, and, they're having, and they've mentioned that they have neck issues and neck pain in current life, mm-hmm. then we might do an energy technique to get in there and free up whatever from that past life hanging has carried over and is contributing to any neck problems that they're having. Yeah, that's very, very true. And that said, you know, part of part of it, yeah, I do hold on to unnecessarily only because I see it drive me toward healing others, you know. It's right. the thing that, you know, it, especially when it's as uh, vibrant as it is, you know, it keeps that drive alive. I mean, I, I think I'm getting to the point where I will still have that vibrancy, whether the pain's there or not, <coughs> uh, just hanging on to it and maybe for that And more than likely, you have more than one lifetime oh, sure. of pain in those areas. I'm thinking of one client that I had who he mentioned that he was having rotator cuff surgery um, soon, and then he, I, I worked with him several times, and over that time period, he, he had, I found out that he had, had injuries on the same side of his body. Hmm many times in current life. It was always the same side of the body, the shoulder, the neck, the hip, all on the same side. And one of the sessions that we did, he went back into a past life where he was a gladiator. And he was a very athletic gladiator, very renowned for his, you know, what he did. And he was going around in a chariot, and somebody had sabotaged his chariot. And the wheel gave out in a turn, and the whole thing rolled over on him. Mm. So it ended his career. He had to be carried off the field. They took him into the healing, cha- these little chambers under the arena where the healers were, and they had herbs, and they did energy work, and they helped rebuild the body. But he was never able to, to do that again. He had to be a coach. He wasn't able to be an athlete. And he felt like he had failed because he said he should have known that that person was going to do that. But he lived many, many years, and he was a great coach, and everybody looked up to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that carried over along with several other lifetimes where he had these injuries on that same side of the body. And he's a chiropractor this time around, his current life, and his guides explained, you've ripped up your bodies in all these other lifetimes, and this time you're learning how to take care of it and what puts it together and how to keep it you know, keep it well. Mm. Um, but some of those symptoms started to shift in the shoulder after we did that session and wow. that more. Very nice. Yeah, for me, I've got 14 pressure points that are elevated at any given time, um, anywhere from 1 to 14. And, you know, and when they all decide to hit at the same time, you know, it kind of uh, reminds me, uh, that this is a battle, you know, but most of the times I'm winning the battle. I'm not using it for self-pity or to get out of anything in particular, you know. I think the, the my, you know, the thing that has me holding on to it longer than uh, I've got any business doing is, is for the reason I mentioned, you know. Yep, we got eight me. minutes. We got eight minutes left. I'm done, man. Okay. I made my point. 
<laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Anything you want to yeah. get in, brother? Go um, for it. Brent, any closing comments for our listeners? Uh, how people can get a copy of your book? Any public speaking you'll be doing? Events and such? Well, I've been doing some book signings. I was out in Denver and up in D.C. I don't have anything right now on the books, um, but you can check back to my website, and I'll be posting, um, you know, any upcoming events, and I'll be posting this interview, hopefully, um, to that page as well, if I have a copy or a link to, a link to it. Um, and the website is brenblankenship.com. And... You know, I think what I want to get across is having these sessions and tapping into that part of ourselves, oh, that that soul, is it helps you to not have so much worry and to know that you're not here alone. You have help available to you, and you can tap into that help to get guidance to help you through whatever's happening. But you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose for a purpose. And everyone, all souls, are part of that divine plan. So, you know, pondering your place in this world and why you're here, hopefully you can make more of this time that we are here and and follow your purpose more fully, completely, as you do so. Awesome. Uh, Brent, is there an email address I could send these, this file over to you after the show? Yes. Do I do it through your website or how do I do um, I, could I Could I give it to you off air? Yeah, you can do that off air, sure. Yeah, yeah. and if, if anyone's trying to reach me, there's, there's a link <coughs> on the website that will take them to a, a, a contact email. But that one's different than the one that I'm going to give you. Okay, great. Um, I want to let the listeners know that uh, Thursday uh, we'll be talking with Thomas Hawksblood. He's a realist speaker, writer, and UFO researcher. Uh, that's this coming Thursday from 79 right here on WCET uh, FM. Chip, closing comments. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the Lions Gate, by the way. <laughs> and the big 8-8, eight, eight, you know, this year. That's uh, a huge influx of energy, according to all my 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 friends and the folks that I learn and study from uh, that uh, is exceptional. A lot of it uh, is from the star Sirius, which is tied into all the earlier gods on this world wow. and can really help us uh, carry through this beautiful influx of higher vibrational energy and that is ours for the taking should we decide to. Actually started on July 26th very important day to me personally, and goes through the 12th of August, uh, but uh, it peaks out on the 8th, which is this coming Thursday. So uh, in addition to UFOs and Thomas Hotspot and, and uh, Tim Roxbury and Chip Reichenthal and Supernatural Realm Radio, you know, uh, it's a pretty good day uh, to have a good day. The 8th, uh, 8-8, the big lion's gate. Oh, cool. uh, comes yeah. to its peak. As far as uh, kindness beyond the veil, you know, I took. Uh, I'm on vacation. You know, I did take the show off this week. I did have uh, another guest uh, cancel out on me, so I may take up the next week too. But you'll have to stay tuned in order to find out if that's true or not. And if that is the case, then the next show 
will be the 19th, uh, Monday, for my own show, Kindness Beyond the Veil, where we take a kinder look at the paranormal, supernatural, metaphysical, extraterrestrial uh, and uh, uh, worlds to show that even kind and loving things happen when the veil is thinned. Uh, Jackie Barrett will be my honored guest oh. on the 19th, one of the uh, really one of the most wonderful psychic mediums that I've ever encountered. She helps with missing persons, cases, uh, murder cases, uh, things of that nature. She goes where angels fear to tread, often at personal risk to her own safety in order for the healing of others on the other side of that rainbow bridge. Jackie Barrett on the 19th and maybe somebody on the 12th if I'm if I decide whether or not to stay in summer vacation mode for Kindness Beyond the Veil with your host, Chip Reichenthal. Hey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that means I'll be able to take my day off too as well since I'm your producer. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Surely, surely didn't hurt you yesterday. No, I was, yeah. I was enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <For a change. laughs> I want to let the, uh, uh, everyone know that um, Thursday, August 29th, uh, Daniel Alexa will be joining us on this show as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we've had him here before. He's a good guy. We've got Steve Deshavi coming up, too, I think, on the 16th, which is a uh, week from Thursday. The 15th, yeah. Yeah, 15th. That was close. And we got Dean Rain coming back on the 20th as well. So yeah, very Dean cool Rain, lineup so. this week. Yeah, huge, huge, huge month. Yeah. Uh, Supernatural um, Radio, including our, our wonderful guest today, Brent Blankenship. The book, The Limitless Soul, has been out less than a season now, and already uh, it is uh, garnishing some of the most magnificent, phenomenal attention, uh, and the ratings and the feedback about this book are, are beyond compare. So, Limitless Soul, since uh, people were too shy to get their copy here, you can go to Amazon or uh .com for their copy and on that soul. and on that uh great michael vera is up next for late the great night michael vera yes with late night in the midlands one of the so. best radio shows in the free world that's provided uh, he doesn't have a toothache again today because he was a yeah that could happen too or maybe he's on summer vacation like <laughs> might be. Decided to do. <laughs> yeah so don't touch that dial, folks. And if you want a podcast of this show, it's available wherever podcasts are heard. And I mean wherever yep. podcasts are heard, including the great iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, Podcast Garden, Stitcher, and a few others there, right, Tim? Yep. Podbean. Uh, Podbean. Spotify. Yeah. Everywhere. So, Everywhere. Uh, on that, I'm going to end the show. And uh, up next... Uh, the great Michael Bear for late night. The great in Michael Bear. The great Michael Bear. Good night, buddy. Have a great week. Yeah, thanks for listening. We love you all. Good night. Good night.
You're you. listening to WCET.FM yes. just, just Talk outro. Radio like okay. no other. Okay. I love the station. I didn't know if it was okay.